Section 1 of The Magic Skin This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James Carson The Magic Skin by Honoré Balzac Translated by Ellen Barrage Section 1 To Monsieur Savary, member of l'Académie des Sciences a drawing representing the serpent path made by the tip of a stick when flourished one the talisman towards the end of the month of october eighteen twenty nine a young man entered the palais royal just as the gaming houses opened agreeably to the law which protects a passion by its very nature easily excisable he mounted the staircase of one of the gaming hells, distinguished by the number 36, without too much deliberation. "'Your hat, sir, if you please,' a thin, querulous voice called out. A little old man, crouching in the darkness behind a railing, suddenly rose and exhibited his features carved after a mean design. As you enter a gaming house, the law despoils you of your hat at the outset. Is it by way of a parable, a divine revelation, or by exacting some pledge or other, is not an infernal compact implied? Is it done to compel you to preserve a respectful demeanor towards those who are about to gain money of you? Or must the detective who squats in our social sewers know the name of our hatter or your own if you happen to have written it on the lining inside or after all is the measurement of your skull required for the compilation of statistics as to the cerebral capacity of gamblers the executive is absolutely silent on this point but be sure of this that though you have scarcely taken a step towards the tables your hat no more belongs to you now than you belong to yourself. Play possesses you, your fortune, your cap, your cane, your cloak. As you go out, it will be made clear to you, by a savage irony, that play has yet spared you something, since your property is returned. For all that, if you bring a new hat with you, you will have to pay for the knowledge that a special costume is needed for a gambler. The evident astonishment with which the young man took a numbered tally in exchange for his hat, which was fortunately somewhat rubbed at the brim, showed clearly enough that his mind was yet untainted, and the little old man, who had wallowed from his youth up in the furious pleasures of a gambler's life, cast a dull, indifferent glance over him in which a philosopher might have seen wretchedness lying in the hospital the vagrant lives of ruined folk inquests on numberless suicides lifelong penal servitude and transportations to guazacolco his pallid lengthy visage appeared like a haggard embodiment of the passion reduced to its simplest terms there were traces of past anguish in its wrinkles he supported life in the glutinous soups at d'Arcy's, and gambled away his meagre earnings day by day. Like some old hackney which takes no heed of the strokes of the whip, nothing could move him now. 
the stifled groans of ruined players as they passed out their mute imprecations their stupefied faces found him impassive he was the spirit of play incarnate if the young man had noticed this sorry cerberus perhaps he would have said there is only a pack of cards in that heart of his the stranger did not heed this warning writ in flesh and blood put here no doubt by providence who has set loathing on the threshold of all evil haunts he walked boldly into the saloon where the rattle of coin brought his senses under the dazzling spell of an agony of greed most likely he had been drawn thither by that most convincing of jean jacques eloquent periods which expresses i think this melancholy thought yes i can imagine that a man may take to gambling when he sees only his last shilling between him and death there is an illusion about a gambling saloon at night as vulgar as that of a bloodthirsty drama and just as effective the rooms are filled with players and onlookers with poverty-stricken age which drags itself thither in search of stimulation with excited faces and revels that began in wine to end shortly in the seine the passion is there in full measure but the great number of the actors prevents you from seeing the gambling demon face to face the evening is in harmony or chorus in which all take part to which each instrument in the orchestra contributes his share you would see there plenty of respectable people who have come in search of diversion for which they pay as they pay for the pleasures of the theatre or of gluttony or they come hither as to some garret where they cheapen poignant regrets for three months to come do you understand all the force and frenzy in a soul which impatiently waits for the opening of a gambling hell between the daylight gambler and the player at night there is the same difference that lies between a careless husband and the lover swooning under his lady's window only with morning comes the real throb of the passion and the craving in its stark horror then you can admire the real gambler who has neither eaten slept thought nor lived he has so smarted under the scourge of his martingale so suffered on the rack of his desire for a coup of train et quarante at that accursed hour you encounter eyes whose calmness terrifies you faces that fascinate glances that seem as if they had power to turn the cards over and consume them the grandest hours of a gambling saloon are not the opening ones if spain has bullfights and rome once had her gladiators paris waxes proud of her palais royal where the inevitable roulettes cause blood to flow in streams and the public can have the pleasure of watching without fear of their feet slipping in it take a quiet peep at the arena how bare it looks the paper on the walls is greasy to the height of your hand there is nothing to bring one reviving thought there is not so much as a nail for the convenience of suicides the floor is worn and dirty an oblong table stands in the middle of the room the tablecloth is worn by the friction of gold but the straw-bottomed 
chairs about it indicate an odd indifference to luxury in the men who will lose their lives here in the quest of the fortune that is to put luxury within their reach this contradiction in humanity is seen wherever the soul reacts powerfully upon itself the gallant would clothe his mistress in silks would deck her out in soft eastern fabrics though he and she must lie on a truckle bed the ambitious dreamer sees himself at the summit of power while he slavishly prostrates himself in the mire the tradesman stagnates in his damp unhealthy shop while he builds a great mansion for his son to inherit prematurely only to be ejected from it by law proceedings at his own brother's instance after all is there a less pleasing thing in the world than a house of pleasure singular question man is always at strife with himself his present woes give the lie to his hopes yet he looks to a future which is not his to indemnify him for these present sufferings setting upon all his actions the seal of inconsequence and of the weakness of his nature we have nothing here below in full measure but misfortune there were several gamblers in the room already when the young man entered three bald-headed seniors were lounging round the green table imperturbable as diplomatists those plaster-cast faces of theirs betokened blunted sensibilities and hearts which had long forgotten how to throb even when a woman's dowry was the stake a young italian olive-hued and dark-haired sat at one end with his elbows on the table seeming to listen to the presentiments of luck that dictate a gambler's yes or no the glow of fire and gold was on the southern face some seven or eight onlookers stood by way of an audience awaiting a drama composed of the strokes of chance the faces of the actors the circulation of coin and the motion of the croupier's rake much as a silent motionless crowd watches the headsman in the place de grieve a tall thin man in a threadbare coat held a card in one hand and a pin in the other to mark the numbers of red or black he seemed a modern tantalus with all the pleasures of his epoch at his lips a hoardless miser drawing in imaginary gains a sane species of lunatic who consoles himself in his misery of chimerical dreams a man who touches peril and vice as a young priest handles the unconsecrated wafer in the white mass one or two experts at the game shrewd speculators had placed themselves opposite the bank like old convicts who have lost all fear of the hulk they meant to try two or three coups and then to depart at once with the expected gains on which they lived two elderly waiters dawdled about with their arms folded looking from time to time into the garden from the windows as if to show their insignificant faces as a sign to passers-by the croupier and banker threw a ghastly and withering glance at the punters and cried in a sharp voice make your game as the young man came in 
the silence seemed to grow deeper as all heads turned curiously toward the new arrival who would have thought it the jaded elders the fossilized waiters the onlookers the fanatical italian himself felt an indefinable dread at the sight of the stranger is he not wretched indeed who can excite pity here must he not be very helpless to receive sympathy ghastly in appearance to raise a shudder in these places where pain utters no cry where wretchedness looks gay and despair is decorous such thoughts as these produced a new emotion in these torpid hearts as the young man entered were not executioners known to shed tears over the fair-haired girlish heads that had to fall at the bidding of the revolution the gamblers saw at a glance a dreadful mystery in the novice's face his young features were stamped with a melancholy grace his looks told of unsuccess and many blighted hopes the dull apathy of the suicide had made his forehead so deadly pale a bitter smile carved faint lines about the corners of his mouth and there was an abandonment about him that was painful to see some sort of demon sparkled in the depths of his eye which drooped wearied perhaps with pleasure could it have been dissipation that had set its foul mark on the proud face once pure and bright and now brought low any doctor seeing the yellow circles about his eyelids and the colour in his cheeks would have set them down to some affection of the heart or lungs while poets would have attributed them to the havoc brought by the search for knowledge and to night vigils by the student's lamp but a complaint more fatal than any disease a disease more merciless than genius or study had drawn this young face and had wrung a heart which dissipation study and sickness had scarcely disturbed when a notorious criminal is taken to the convict's prison the prisoners welcome him respectfully and these evil spirits in human shape experienced in torments bowed before an unheard-of anguish by the depth of the wound which met their eyes they recognized a prince among them by the majesty of his unspoken irony by the refined wretchedness of his garb the frock coat that he wore was well cut but his cravat was on terms so intimate with his waistcoat that no one could suspect him of under linen his hands shapely as a woman's were not perfectly clean for two days past indeed he had ceased to wear gloves if the very croupier and the waiters shuddered it was because some traces of the spell of innocence yet hung about his meagre delicately shaped form and his scanty fair hair in its natural curls he looked only about twenty-five years of age and any trace of vice in his face seemed to be there by accident a young constitution still resisted the inroads of lubricity darkness and light annihilation and existence seemed to struggle in him with effects of mingled beauty and terror there he stood like some erring angel that has lost his radiance and these emeritus professors of vice and shame were ready to bid the novice depart 
even as some toothless crone might be seized with pity for a beautiful girl who offers herself up to infamy the young man went straight up to the table and as he stood there flung down a piece of gold which he held in his hand without deliberation it rolled on to the black then as strong natures can he looked calmly if anxiously at the croupier as if he held useless subterfuges in scorn the interest this coup awakened was so great that the old gamesters laid nothing upon it only the italian inspired by a gambler's enthusiasm smiled suddenly at some thought and punted his heap of coin against the stranger's stake the banker forgot to pronounce the phrases that use and want have reduced to an inarticulate cry make your game the game is made bets are closed the croupier spread out the cards and seemed to wish luck to the newcomer indifferent as he was to the losses or gains of those who took part in these sombre pleasures every bystander thought he saw a drama the closing scene of a noble life in the fortunes of that bit of gold and eagerly fixed his eyes on the prophetic cards but however closely they watched the young man they could discover not the least sign of feeling on his cool but restless face even red winds said the croupier officially a dumb sort of rattle came from the italian's throat when he saw the folded notes that the banker showered upon him one after another the young man only understood his calamity when the croupier's rake was extended to sweep away his last napoleon the ivory touched the coin with a little click as it swept it with the speed of an arrow into the heap of gold before the bank the stranger turned pale at the lips and softly shut his eyes but he unclosed them again at once and the red colour returned as he affected the airs of an englishman to whom life can offer no new sensation and disappeared without the glance full of entreaty for compassion that a desperate gamester will often give the bystanders how much can happen in a second's space how many things depend upon a throw of the die that was his last cartridge of course said the croupier smiling after a moment's silence during which he picked up the coin between his finger and thumb and held it up he is a cracked brain that will go and drown himself said a frequenter of the place he looked round about at the other players who all knew each other bah said a waiter as he took a pinch of snuff if we had but followed his example said an old gamester to the others as he pointed out the italian everybody looked at the lucky player whose hands shook as he counted his banknotes a voice seemed to whisper to me he said the luck is sure to go against that young man's despair he is a new hand said the banker or he would have divided his money into three parts to give himself more chance the young man went out without asking for his hat but the old watchdog who had noted its shabby condition returned it to him without a word the gambler mechanically gave up the tally and went downstairs whistling detente palpati so feebly that he himself scarcely heard the delicious notes he found himself immediately under the arcades of the palais royal 
reached the rue saint honore took the direction to the tuileries and crossed the gardens with an undecided step he walked as if he were in some desert elbowed by men whom he did not see hearing through all the voices of the crowd one voice alone the voice of death he was lost in the thoughts that benumbed him at last like the criminals who used to be taken in carts from the palais de justice to the place de grieve where the scaffold awaited them reddened with all the blood spilt here since seventeen ninety three there is something great and terrible about suicide most people's downfalls are not dangerous they are like children who have not far to fall and cannot injure themselves but when a great nature is dashed down he is bound to fall from a height he must have been raised almost to the skies he has caught glimpses of some heaven beyond his reach vehement must the storms be which compel a soul to seek for peace from the trigger of a pistol how much young power starves and pines away in a garret for want of a friend for lack of a woman's consolation in the midst of millions of fellow-creatures in the presence of a listless crowd that is burdened by its wealth when one remembers all this suicide looms large between a self-sought death and the abundant hopes whose voices call a young man to paris god only knows what may intervene what contending ideas have striven within the soul what poems have been set aside what moans and what despair have been repressed what abortive masterpieces and vain endeavours every suicide it is an awful poem of sorrow where will you find a work of genius floating above the seas of literature that can compare with this paragraph yesterday at four o'clock a young woman threw herself into the seine from the pont des arts dramas and romances pale before this concise parisian phrase so must even that old frontispiece the lamentations of the glorious king of carnivan put in prison by his children the sole remaining fragment of a lost work that drew tears from stern at the bare perusal the same stern who deserted his own wife and family the stranger was beset with such thoughts as these which passed in fragments through his mind like tattered flags fluttering above the combat if he set aside for a moment the burdens of consciousness and of memory to watch the flower-heads gently swayed by the breeze among the green thickets a revulsion came over him life struggled against the oppressive thought of suicide and his eyes rose to the sky gray clouds melancholy gusts of the wind the stormy atmosphere all decreed that he should die he bent his way toward the pont royal musing over the last fancies of others who had gone before him he smiled to himself as he remembered that lord castlereagh had satisfied the humblest of our needs before he cut his throat and that the academician Auguet had sought for his snuff-box as he went to his death he analyzed these extravagances and even examined himself for as he stood aside against the parapet to allow a porter to pass 
his coat had been whitened somewhat by the contact and he carefully brushed the dust from his sleeve to his own surprise he reached the middle of the arch and looked forebodingly at the water wretched weather for drowning yourself said a ragged old woman who grinned at him isn't the seine cold and dirty his answer was a ready smile which showed the frenzied nature of his courage then he shivered all at once as he saw at a distance by the door of the tuileries a shed with an inscription above it in letters twelve inches high the royal humane society's apparatus a vision of monsieur de chaux rose before him equipped by his philanthropy calling out and setting in motion the two efficacious oars which break the heads of drowning men if unluckily they should rise to the surface he saw a curious crowd collecting running for a doctor preparing fumigations he read the maundering paragraph in the papers put between notes on a festivity and on the smiles of a ballet dancer he heard the franks counted down by the prefect of police to the watermen as a corpse he was worth fifteen francs but now while he lived he was only a man of talent without patrons without friends without a mattress to lie on or anyone to speak a word for him a perfect social cipher useless to the state which gave itself no trouble about him a death in broad daylight seemed degrading to him he made up his mind to die at night so as to bequeath an unrecognizable corpse to a world which had disregarded the greatness of life he began his wanderings again turning toward the quarry voltaire imitating the lagging gait of an idler seeking to kill time as he came down the steps at the end of the bridge his notice was attracted by the second-hand books displayed on the parapet and he was on the point of bargaining for some he smiled thrust his hands philosophically into his pockets and fell to strolling on again with a proud disdain in his manner when he heard to his surprise some coin rattling fantastically in his pocket a smile of hope lit his face and slid from his lips over his features over his brow and brought a joyful light to his eyes and his dark cheeks it was a spark of happiness like one of the red dots that flit over the remains of a burnt scrap of paper but as it is with the black ashes so it was with his face it became dull again when the stranger quickly drew out his hand and perceived three pennies ah kind gentlemen carita carita for the love of st catherine only a halfpenny to buy some bread a little chimney-sweeper with puffed cheeks all black with soot and clad in tatters held out his hand to beg for the man's last pence two paces from the little savoyard stood an old pauvre honteux sickly and feeble in wretched garments of ragged druggeting who asked in a thick muffled voice anything you like to give monsieur i will pray to god for you but the young man turned his eyes on him and the old beggar stopped without another word discerning in that mournful face an abandonment of wretchedness more bitter than his own la carita la carita 
the stranger threw the coins to the old man and the child left the footway and turned towards the houses the harrowing sight of the seine fretted him beyond endurance may god lengthen your days cried the two beggars as he reached the shop window of a print seller this man on the brink of death met a young woman alighting from a showy carriage he looked in delight at her prettiness at the pale face appropriately framed by the satin of her fashionable bonnet her slender form and graceful movements entranced him her skirt had been slightly raised as she stepped to the pavement disclosing a daintily fitting white stocking over the delicate outlines beneath the young lady went into the shop purchased albums and sets of lithographs giving several gold coins for them which glittered and rang upon the counter the young man seemingly occupied with the prince of the window fixed upon the fair stranger a gaze as eager as man can give to receive in exchange an indifferent glance such as lights by accident on a passer-by for him it was a leave-taking of love and of woman but his final and strenuous questioning glance was neither understood nor felt by the slight-natured woman there her colour did not rise her eyes did not droop what was it to her one more piece of adulation yet another sigh only prompted the delight thought at night i look rather well to-day the young man quickly turned to another picture and only left it when she returned to her carriage the horses started off the final vision of luxury and refinement went under an eclipse just as that life of his would soon do also slowly and sadly he followed the line of the shops listlessly examining the specimens on view when the shops came to an end he reviewed the louvre the institute the towers of notre dame of the palais the pont des arts all these public monuments seemed to have taken their tone from the heavy grey sky fitful gleams of light gave a foreboding look to paris like a pretty woman the city had mysterious fits of ugliness or beauty so the outer world seemed to be in a plot to steep this man about to die in a painful trance a play to the maleficent power which acts relaxingly upon us by the fluid circulating through our nerves his whole frame seemed gradually to experience a dissolving process he felt the anguish of these throes passing through him in waves and the houses and the crowd seemed to surge to and fro in a mist before his eyes he tried to escape the agitation wrought in his mind by the revulsions of his physical nature and went towards the shop of a dealer in antiquities thinking to give a treat to his senses and to spend the interval till nightfall in bargaining over curiosities he sought one might say to regain courage and to find a stimulant like a criminal who doubts his power to reach the scaffold the consciousness of approaching death gave him for the time being the intrepidity of a duchess with a couple of lovers so that he entered the place with an abstracted look with his lips displayed a set smile like a drunkard's had not life or rather had not death intoxicated him dizziness soon overcame him again things appeared to him in strange colours 
or as making slight movements his irregular pulse was no doubt the cause the blood that sometimes rushed like a burning torrent through his veins and sometimes lay torpid and stagnant as tepid water he merely asked leave to see if the shop contained any curiosities which he required a plump-faced young shopman with red hair in an otter-skin cap left an old peasant woman in charge of the shop a sort of feminine caliban employed in cleaning a stove made marvellous by bernard palissy's work this youth remarked carelessly look around monsieur we have nothing very remarkable here downstairs but if i may trouble you to go up to the first floor i will show you some very fine mummies from cairo some inlaid pottery and some carved ebony genuine renaissance work just come in and of perfect beauty in the stranger's fearful position this chicheron's prattle and shopman's empty talk seemed like the petty vexations by which narrow minds destroy a man of genius but as he must even go through with it he appeared to listen to his guide answering him by gestures or monosyllables but imperceptibly he arrogated the privilege of saying nothing and gave himself up without hindrance to his closing meditations which were appalling he had a poet's temperament his mind had entered by chance on a vast field and he must see perforce the dry bones of twenty future worlds at first glance the place presented a confused picture in which every achievement human and divine was mingled crocodiles monkeys and serpents stuffed with straw grinned at glass from church windows seemed to wish to bite sculptured heads to chase lacquered work or to scramble up chandeliers a sevre vase bearing napoleon's portrait by madame jocoteau stood beside a sphinx dedicated to sesotris the beginnings of the world and the events of yesterday were mingled with grotesque cheerfulness a kitchen jack leaned against a pyx a republican sabre on a medieval hackbutt madame du barry with a star above her head naked and surrounded by a cloud seemed to look longingly out of latour's pastel at an indian chai-book while she tried to guess the purpose of the spiral curves that wound towards her instruments of death poniards curious pistols and disguised weapons had been flung down pell-mell among the paraphernalia of daily life porcelain tureens dresden plates translucent cups from china old salt cellars comfit boxes belonging to feudal times a carved ivory ship sped full sail on the back of a motionless tortoise the emperor augustus remained unmoved and imperial with an air-pump thrust into one eye portraits of french sheriffs and dutch burgomasters phlegmatic now as when in life looked down pallid and unconcerned on the chaos of past ages below them every land of earth seemed to have contributed some stray fragment of its learning 
some example of its art nothing seemed lacking to this philosophical kitchen midden from a redskin's calumet a green and golden slipper from a seraglio a moorish yatagan a tartar idol to the soldier's tobacco-pouch to the priest's ciborium and the plumes that once adorned a throne this extraordinary combination was rendered yet more bizarre by the accidents of lighting by a multitude of confused reflections of various hues by the sharp contrast of blacks and whites broken cries seemed to reach the ear unfinished dramas seized upon the imagination smothered lights caught the eye a thin coating of inevitable dust covered all the multitudinous corners and convolutions of these objects of various shapes which gave highly picturesque effects first of all the stranger compared the three galleries with civilization cults divinities masterpieces dominions carousals sanity and madness had filled to repletion to a mirror with numerous facets each depicting a world after this first hazy idea he would fain have selected his pleasures but by dint of using his eyes thinking and musing a fever began to possess him caused perhaps by the gnawing pain of hunger the spectacle of so much existence individual or national to which these pledges bore witness ended by numbing his senses the purpose with which he entered the shop was fulfilled he had left the real behind and had climbed gradually up to an ideal world he had attained to the enchanted palace of ecstasy whence the universe appeared to him by fragments and in shapes of flame as once the future blazed out before the eyes of st john in patmos a crowd of sorrowing faces beneficent and appalling dark and luminous far and near gathered in numbers in myriads in whole generations egypt rigid and mysterious arose from her sands in the form of a mummy swathed in black bandages then the pharaohs swallowed up nations that they might build themselves a tomb and he beheld moses and the hebrews and the desert and a solemn antique world fresh and joyous a marble statue spoke to him from a twisted column of the pleasure-loving myths of greece and ionia ah who would not have smiled with him to see against the earthen-red background the brown-faced maiden dancing with gleeful reverence before the god purapus wrought in the fine clay of an etruscan vase the latin queen caressed her chimera the whims of imperial rome were there in life the bath was disclosed the toilette of a languid julia dreaming waiting for her tibulus strong with the might of arabic spells the head of cicero evoked memories of a free rome and unrolled before him the scrolls of titus livius the young man beheld sonatas populusque romanus consuls lictors togas with purple fringes the fighting in the forum the angry people passed in review before him like the cloudy faces of a dream then christian rome predominated in his vision a painter had laid heaven open he beheld the virgin mary wrapped in a golden cloud among the angels 
shining more brightly than the sun receiving the prayers of sufferers on whom this second eve regenerate smiles pityingly at the touch of a mosaic much of the various lavas of vesuvius and etna his fancy fled to the hot tawny south of italy he was present at borgia's orgies he roved among the abruzzi sought for italian love intrigues grew ardent over pale faces and dark almond-shaped eyes he shivered over midnight adventures cut short by the cool thrust of a jealous blade as he saw a medieval dagger with a hilt wrought like lace and spots of rust like splashes of blood upon it india and its religions took the shape of the idol with its peaked cap of fantastic form with little bells clad in silk and gold close by a mat as pretty as the bayadere who once lay upon it still gave out a faint scent of sandalwood his fancy was stirred by a goggle-eyed chinese monster with mouth awry and twisted limbs the invention of a people who grown weary of the monotony of beauty found an indescribable pleasure in an infinite variety of ugliness a salt cellar from benvenuto cellini's workshop carried him back to the renaissance at its height to the time when there was no restraint on art or morals when torture was the sport of sovereigns and from their councils churchmen with courtesans arms about them issued degrees of chastity for simple priests on a cameo he saw the conquests of alexander the massacres of pizarro in a matchbox and religious wars disorderly fanatical and cruel in the shadows of a helmet joyous pictures of chivalry were called up by a suit of milanese armour brightly polished and richly wrought a paladin's eyes seemed to sparkle yet under the visor this sea of inventions fashions furniture works of art and fiascos made for him a poem without end shapes and colours and projects all lived again for him but his mind received no clear and perfect conception it was the poet's task to complete the sketches of the great master who had scornfully mingled on his palette the hues of the numberless vicissitudes of human life when the world at large at last released him when he had pondered over many lands many epochs and various empires the young man came back to the life of the individual he impersonated fresh characters and turned his mind to details rejecting the life of nations as a burden too overwhelming for a single soul yonder was a sleeping child modelled in wax a relic of roche's collection an enchanting creation which brought back the happiness of his own childhood the cotton garment of a tahitian maid next fascinated him he beheld the primitive life of nature the real modesty of naked chastity the joys of an idleness natural to mankind a peaceful fate by a slow river of sweet water under a plantain tree that bears its pleasant manna without the toil of man then all at once he became a corsair 
investing himself with the terrible poetry that Laura has given to the part. The thought came at the sight of the mother-of-pearl tints of a myriad seashells, and grew as he saw madrepores redolent of the seaweeds and storms of the Atlantic. The sea was forgotten again at a distant view of exquisite miniatures. He admired a precious missal in manuscript, adorned with arabesques in gold and blue. Thoughts of peaceful life swayed him. He devoted himself afresh to study and research, longing for the easy life of the monk, devoid alike of cares and pleasures and from the depths of his cell he looked out upon the meadows woods and vineyards of his convent pausing before some work of ten years he took for his own the helmet of the soldier or the poverty of the artisan he wished to wear a smoke-begrimed cap with these flemings to drink their beer and join their game of cards and smiled upon the comely plumpness of a peasant woman he shivered at a snowstorm by Miaris. He seemed to take part in Salvatore Rose's battle-piece. He ran his fingers over a tomahawk from Illinois, and felt his own hair raise as he touched a Cherokee scalping-knife. He marveled over the rebec that he set in the hands of some lady of the land, drank in the musical notes of her ballad and in the twilight by the gothic arch above the hearth he told his love in a gloom so deep that he could not read his answer in her eyes he caught at all delights at all sorrows grasped at existence in every form and endowed the phantoms conjured up from that inert and plastic material so liberally with his own life and feelings that the sound of his own footsteps reached him as if from another world or as the hum of paris reaches the towers of notre dame he ascended the inner staircase which led to the first floor with its votive shields panoplies carved shrines and figures on the wall at every step haunted by the strangest shapes by marvellous creations belonging to the borderland betwixt life and death he walked as if under the spell of a dream. His own existence became a matter of doubt to him. He was neither wholly alive nor dead, like the curious objects about him. The light began to fade as he reached the showrooms, but the treasures of gold and silver heaped up there scarcely seemed to need illumination from without. The most extravagant whims of prodigals who have run through millions to perish in garrets, had left their traces here in this vast bazaar of human follies. Here, beside a writing-desk, made at the cost of a hundred thousand francs, and sold for a hundred pence, lay a lock with a secret, worth a king's ransom. The human race was revealed in all the grandeur of its wretchedness in all the splendour of its infinite littleness an ebony table that an artist might worship carved after eugene jugeon's designs in years of toil had been purchased perhaps at the price of firewood precious caskets and things that fairy hands might have fashioned lay there in heaps like rubbish 
you must have the worth of millions here cried the young man as he entered the last of an immense suite of rooms all decorated and gilt by eighteenth-century artists thousands of millions you might say said the florid shopman but you have seen nothing as yet go up to the third floor and you shall see the stranger followed his guide to a fourth gallery where one by one there passed before his wearied eyes several pictures by poussin a magnificent statue by michelangelo enchanting landscapes by claude lorraine a gerard dow like a stray page from sterne rembrandt's murillo's and pictures by velasquez as dark and full of colour as a poem of byron's then came classic bas-reliefs finely cut agates wonderful cameos works of art upon the works of art till the craftsman's skill paled on the mind masterpiece after masterpiece till art itself became hateful at last and enthusiasm died he came upon a madonna by raphael but he was tired of raphael a figure by correggio never received a glance it demanded of him a priceless vase of antique porphyry carved round about with pictures of the most grotesquely wanton of roman divinities the pride of some corina scarcely drew a smile from him the ruins of fifteen hundred vanished years oppressed him he sickened under all this human thought felt bored by all this luxury and art he struggled in vain against the constantly renewed fantastic shapes that sprang up from under his feet like children of some sportive demon are not fearful poisons set up in the soul by a swift concentration of all her energies her enjoyments or ideas as modern chemistry in its caprice repeats the action of creation by some gas or other do not many men perish under the shock of the sudden expansion of some moral acid within them what is there in that box he inquired as he reached a large closet final triumph of human skill originality wealth and splendour in which there hung a large square mahogany coffer suspended from a nail by a silver chain ah monsieur keeps the key of it said the stout assistant mysteriously if you wish to see the portrait i will gladly venture to tell him venture said the young man then is your master a prince i don't know what he is the other answered equally astonished each looked for a moment at the other then construing the stranger's silence as an order the apprentice left him alone in the closet have you never launched into the immensity of time and space as you read the geological writings of cuvier carried by his fancy have you hung as if suspended by a magician's wand over the illimitable abyss of the past when the fossil bones of animals belonging to civilizations before the flood are turned up in bed after bed and layer upon layer of the quarries of montmartre or among the schists of the ural range the soul receives with dismay a glimpse of millions of people forgotten by feeble human memory and 
unrecognized by permanent divine tradition peoples whose ashes cover our globe with two feet of earth that yields bread to us and flowers is not cuvier the great poet of our era byron has given admirable expression to certain moral conflicts but our immortal naturalist has constructed past worlds from a few bleached bones has rebuilt cities like cadmus with monsters teeth has animated forests with all the secrets of zoology gleaned from a piece of coal has discovered a giant population from the footprints of a mammoth these forms stand erect grow large and fill regions commensurate with their giant size he treats figures like a poet a naught set beside a seven by him produces awe he can call up nothingness before you without the phrases of a charlatan he searches a lump of gypsum finds an impression in it says to you behold all at once marble takes an animal shape the dead come to life the history of the world is laid open before you after countless dynasties of giant creatures races of fish and clans of mollusks the race of man appears at last as the degenerate copy of a splendid model emboldened by his gaze into the past this petty race children of yesterday can overstep chaos can raise a psalm without end and outline for themselves the story of the universe in an apocalypse that reveals the past after the tremendous resurrection that took place at the voice of this man the little drop in the nameless infinite common to all spheres that is ours to use and that we call time seems to us a pitiable moment of life we ask ourselves the purpose of our triumphs our hatreds our loves overwhelmed as we are by the destruction of so many past universes and whether it is worth while to accept the pain of life in order that hereafter we may become an intangible speck there we remain as if dead completely torn away from the present till the valet de chambre comes in and says madame la comtesse answers that she is expecting monsieur all the wonders which had brought the known world before the young man's mind wrought in his soul much the same feeling of dejection that besets the philosopher investigating unknown creatures he longed more than ever for death as he flung himself back in a curule chair and let his eyes wander across the illusions composing a panorama of the past the pictures seemed to light up the virgin's heads smiled on him the statues seemed alive everything danced and swayed around him with emotion due to the gloom and the tormenting fever that racked his brain each monstrosity grimaced at him while the portraits on the canvas closed their eyes for a little relief every shape seemed to tremble and start and to leave its place gravely or flippantly gracefully or awkwardly according to its fashion character and surroundings a mysterious sabbath began rivaling the fantastic scenes witnessed by faust upon the brocken but these optical illusions produced by weariness 
overstrained eyesight or the accidents of twilight could not alarm the stranger the terrors of life had no power over a soul grown familiar with the terrors of death he even gave himself up half amused by its bizarre eccentricities to the influence of this moral galvanism its phenomena closely connected with his last thoughts assured him that he was still alive the silence about him was so deep that he embarked once more in dreams that grew gradually darker and darker as if by magic as the light slowly faded a last struggling ray from the sun lit up rosy answering lights he raised his head and saw a skeleton dimly visible with its skull bent doubtfully to one side as if to say the dead will none of thee as yet he passed his hand over his forehead to shake off the drowsiness and felt a cold breath of air as an unknown furry something swept past his cheeks he shivered a muffled clatter of the windows followed it was a bat he fancied that had given him this chilly sepulchral caress he could yet dimly see for a moment the shapes that surrounded him by the vague light in the west then all these inanimate objects were blotted out in uniform darkness night and the hour of death had suddenly come thenceforward for a while he lost consciousness of the things about him he was either buried in deep meditation or sleep overcame him brought on by weariness or by the stress of those many thoughts that lacerated his heart suddenly he thought that an awful voice called him by name it was like some feverish nightmare when at a step the dreamer falls headlong over into an abyss and he trembled he closed his eyes dazzled by bright rays from a red circle of light that shone out from the shadows in the midst of the circle stood a little old man who turned the light of the lamp upon him yet he had not heard him enter nor move nor speak there was something magical about the apparition the boldest man awakened in such a sort would have felt alarmed at the sight of this figure which might have issued from some sarcophagus hard by a curiously youthful look in the unmoving eyes of the spectre forbade the idea of anything supernatural for all that in the brief space between his dreaming and waking life the young man's judgment remained philosophically suspended as descartes advises he was in spite of himself under the influence of an unaccountable hallucination a mystery that our pride rejects and that our imperfect science vainly tries to resolve imagine a short old man thin and spare in a long black velvet gown girded round him by a thick silk cord his long white hair escaped on either side of his face from under a black velvet cap which closely fitted his head and made a formal setting for his countenance his gown enveloped his body like a winding sheet so that all that was left visible was a narrow bleached human face but for the wasted arm thin as a draper's wand which held aloft the lamp that cast all its light upon him the face would have seemed to hang in mid-air 
a grey pointed beard concealed the chin of this fantastical appearance and gave him the look of one of those jewish types that serve artists as models for moses his lips were so thin and colourless that it needed a close inspection to find the lines of his mouth at all in the pallid face his great wrinkled brow and hollow bloodless cheeks the inexorably stern expression of his small green eyes that no longer possessed eyebrows or lashes might have convinced the stranger that gerard dow's money-changer had come down from his frame the craftiness of an inquisitor revealed in those curving wrinkles and creases that wound about his temples indicated a profound knowledge of life there was no deceiving this man who seemed to possess a power of detecting the secrets of the wariest heart the wisdom and the moral codes of every people seemed gathered up in his passive face just as all the productions of the globe had been heaped up in his dusty showrooms he seemed to possess the tranquil luminous vision of some god before whom all things are open or the haughty power of a man who knows all things with two strokes of the brush a painter could have so altered the expression of this face that what had been a serene representation of the eternal father should change to the sneering mask of a mephistopheles for though sovereign power was revealed by the forehead mocking folds lurked about the mouth he must have sacrificed all the joys of earth as he had crushed all human sorrows beneath his potent will the man at the brink of death shivered at the thought of the life led by this spirit so solitary and remote from our world joyless since he had no one illusion left painless because pleasure had ceased to exist for him there he stood motionless and serene as a star in a bright mist his lamp lit up the obscure closet just as his green eyes with their quiet malevolence seemed to shed a light on the moral world this was the strange spectacle that startled the young man's returning sight as he shook off the dreamy fancies and thoughts of death that had lulled him an instant of dismay a momentary return to belief in nursery tales may be forgiven him seeing that his senses were obscured much thought had wearied his mind and his nerves were exhausted with the strain of the tremendous drama within him and by the scenes that had heaped on him all the horrid pleasures that a piece of opium can produce end of section one